0: This is
1: Jim Minns, Communications Officer with the PSA. On the podcast this week...
0: You've got to remember that going into the fire season, we have lost thousands of jobs in the public sector, right across the board. We've lost jobs every week, and now we're being asked to take a cut in salary.
1: We give an update on the proceedings of our wage freeze case, currently before the Industrial Relations Commission. Proceedings have begun in the Industrial Relations Commission on the PSA's wage freeze case, albeit via audiovisual link due to the COVID-19 restrictions for judicial proceedings. The PSA has submitted our evidence as to why we believe the arguments of the government are flawed in relation to the freezing of public sector wages. As the proceedings commenced, I managed to get comment from Industrial Officer Dylan Smith, who was watching closely, as well as General Secretary Stuart Little and his concerns around some of the arguments presented to the Commission by the government.
0: The, the current salaries case is probably the most important case in terms of um, wages and salaries outcomes since the PSA ran a massive case in 1993 that led to the PSA's salaries award. At that point in time, you had enterprise bargaining on foot, plus you had a centralised role. And really what that case um, proved was that the PSA was through a... Centralized approach able to show productivity gains across the board and lead to pay rises for all of its members right across the board um, in circumstances where you know the private industry was going down the path of enterprise bargaining. What history has shown is that enterprise bargaining has led to a massive decline in trade unionism and a massive cut in, in, in wages, particularly in the private sector. Um, more and more, that's what's happened, which is why. At the last federal election, they were moving to try and come to a more centralised um, approach, move away from what's really the American approach of this um, enterprise by enterprise basis. Where we're at at the moment is that after really, uh, you know, nine years of being having 2.5% um, thrust upon us, you know, where it was capped at 2.5, in circumstances where really. Um, the productivity in so many areas was, was substantially more than that, and also in circumstances where the then Premier, Baird, and his finance minister, Pierce said, we are guaranteeing a minimum 2.5% pay increase. That's in the second reading speeches. Um, you know, the government have now argued before the full bench that, oh, no, oh, no, we never meant that. It was up to 2.5%. So we really are at a crossroads now. Um, after almost a decade of having you know, guaranteed 2.5% and being told, in our view, that it would always be a minimum of 2.5%, you know, suddenly we're sort of starting to talk about productivity offsets and things like that. And also having to show productivity where, again, we're capped at 25 How can that be fair? How can it be fair if you show that your productivity is higher than that? They'll say, oh, well, we'll take that. That's great, but we're not going to reward you for that. You'll get two and a half, and obviously at the moment the economic argument. We understand that there's an economic argument because um, you know you've seen so many businesses close due to the shock of the pandemic. But you know our economic position on it is is that most of those businesses will now recover. There'll be a section of the economy that deals with international trade and travel and that sort of thing. Obviously, that's going to be. Um, some time before, you know, um, the international borders open up. But domestically, um, the experience in our view is, is that we're hopefully, you know, getting to the stage where all restrictions will be lifted, notwithstanding we've seen the spike down in Victoria, which has created some uncertainty. That's not the experience in New South Wales or in every other state. So we're hopeful that we'll see a full bounce back of the economy.
1: It's Jim Minns here standing outside the courtroom as of recording it is Thursday, June 25, 11.45am and we've just lost our AVL feed. Level 11 of PSA House has been completely redesigned into a courtroom with restrict ac- restricted access and audiovisual link to the Industrial Relations Commission where for the past few days we've been engaged in our wage freeze dispute we're working to get it set up as quickly as possible. During a break in proceedings due to a technical malfunction in the audiovisual link with the IRC, I managed to get a word in with Dylan Smith, industrial officer here at the PSA.
2: Yeah, look, it's obviously, it's a long process and, and the evidence that's being challenged uh, to a large extent is economic evidence. The PSA is very lucky to have had Dr. Andrew Charlton provide us with a very detailed economic response to the government's evidence and so he's been on the stand all, all yesterday afternoon and most of this morning under cross-examination from the government just trying to explain you know the basis of our case which is that the economic benefits of, of providing 2.5% wage increases to staff. The evidence that Dr Andrew Charlton was giving was that there are different ways of measuring these things and to a certain extent economists are still learning more and more about how the economy is, is being affected during this crisis. It's not like a normal economic recession, mm. it's, it's something different and unique. Mm. The benefit we've had in, in having Dr Charlton is that he was an advisor to the federal government during the GFC, so he's got a very detailed knowledge of, of that background and, and, and how economies react to these sorts of issues.
1: The strength and effectiveness of the union depends on you and your colleagues standing together. If you work in the New South Wales public service and the federal system, consider joining the PSA CPSU New South Wales. This movement is striving to make New South Wales and Australia a better place for all working people. United we bargain, divided we beg. Head to psa.asn.au forward slash join. Protect yourself and make a difference.
0: A massive issue in which no one's talking about now is, is making sure that corporate Australia pay their fair share in tax. Now, they may be questions for the government, but they should be questions being put by major political parties that operate at state and federal level, and that needs to be the, the really strong argument going forward. It shouldn't just be about, well, what um, sacrifices can frontline workers make, in, in our case. It shouldn't just be about, you know, what sacrifice they're going to make. Why aren't they looking to... Um, you know, the big end of town who have enjoyed, um, you know, decades of economic growth, um, you know, in Australia, they, they, we didn't have a, a GFC. We, we stepped that completely. So they've had decades and you, you've still got companies that structure their business in a way where they will not put back into those economies that they profit from. And in these times, we have to demand that they pay tax because those taxes could fund... You know, the 20% of the jobs that were unfilled in the rural fire service, they could reinstate those jobs that have been cut. Those frontline remote area firefighters in national parks, um, they could make a huge difference to the vacancies that we see in child protection. Um, you know, they could you know, play a huge role in all those frontline jobs. You've got to remember that going into the fire season, we have lost thousands of jobs in the public sector, right across the board. We've lost jobs everywhere. And now we're being asked to take a cut in salary. So, you know, really the government need to get, really has to get its act together going forward and give a measure of certainty. And that's one of the things we want to know. What's their position in 2021? Why aren't they guaranteeing a pay rise of 2.5%?